Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year from Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Episode 25, the Shea Hello Podcast. My name is Casey Lynn. I am joined by my co-host, Bill Pulsifer, former Major League pitcher, as we are entering already episode 25. Before we get going, this episode is brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com. Of course, like always, we have Stephen White behind the scenes as a producer doing a great job. And... uh Seems like forever ago, but it also feels like yesterday, Bill. Uh, Doc Gooden was our guest. And before we talk about last episode of Doc uh, quickly, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. Episode 25 is my, my actually my other number I wore as a uh, as a New York Met. Ah, you beat me to it. You knew Sorry. it was that. I was going to. Uh, all right. But, but before we get Don't into Doc. Don't ask me to name other 25s. I'm, I'm going to read. I was going <laughs> to ask you. You beat me to it. You know me well by now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so Bill wore 20, this is episode 25, Bill spoiled the fun, he wore number 25, and you tell me the year, I know it, you remember? 2000, yep. 2000, I got traded back uh, in Bobby Jones, lefty Bobby Jones, I ah. gave him 21. Okay. Here's, he came from Colorado that year. Yes, he did, I remember that well. Do you yeah. remember who had that number right that you, you kind of took from, I guess, you didn't really take it from, but who had it before you, right before you? I don't, I don't. Uh, Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bo. In 99. Yeah. His second Bobby tenure. Bo is a good teammate. Bobby Bo, good good guy. I know and he actually, got a little bit of, he got a little rough around the edges outside of the clubhouse, but inside the clubhouse, he was a, a good teammate, good guy. If you actually, Met fans, if you're listening or watching, go to his Baseball America page. Uh, he had a great tenure with the Mets offensively. Like, he put up good numbers. So, Outside ruffle, you know, whatever. But he was a good player for the Mets. He, he was def- a good player. Think about yeah. it, too. He was the highest paid player in the major leagues at $6 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, we've come a long way. Who haven't we, though? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other players, real quick. Frank Thomas, 62 Mets. Uh, yeah. He wore Danny Heap. Keith Miller. Um, first tenure, Bonilla, 92 to 95. Jay Payton in 98. Right. And then... Like we just mentioned, Bonilla, 99, Pulsifer uh, in 2000. And then we go to recent, Kaz Matsui, 
the late Pedro Feliciano, the lefty. God, rest in peace, yeah. Great, great Met lefty out of the bullpen. Good guy, too. Really good guy. Yeah, gone too soon. And then right now, Brooks Raley is wearing number 25. Oh, another lefty. Good. Awesome. Yeah. So a lot of lefties in there. Yeah. Um, cool. So let's let us let us talk about last episode real quick because I'd be remiss if we didn't. Um, anyone out there listening uh, or watching here uh, on the Shea Hello podcast, first, please hit that po- uh, subscribe button. Like, share, subscribe. All you got to do is click. It's free. Uh, we appreciate it. We got a lot of announcements coming up that I'll hold off for now as much as I love to tell everybody. Um, but uh, if you're listening uh, and you haven't listened to it or watched it, uh, see Shea Hello's uh, Shay underscore hello on Twitter X. It's the pin tweet. You can uh, listen to that episode 24. Uh, we had Doc Gooden on, Bill. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Unheard stories, fascinating tales. What were your thoughts of your buddy? Well, I think the first and foremost was uh, the the stories that we got to hear that you don't hear on a regular basis. And, and you know, from the, from the horse's mouth, his experiences uh you know obviously a lot of people like to dwell about the what ifs with doc but uh i i i like to dream and 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 believe in the the greatness that that was and uh you got people got to see how engaging he was and how willing he was to tell stories that you know are inside stories and i thought it was just uh a fan i thought he did a fantastic job i thought you did a fantastic job with the questioning and um i felt like he had a good job and i got a lot of a lot of positive feedback from uh from the people I know that listen to it, yeah. uh, a lot of Mets fantasy camp guys telling me how how much they really enjoyed it. So uh, it was a it was a blast. Yeah, I uh, you, you're absolutely right on that one. He was open, honest, articulate, sharp, great stories. He's a great storyteller, um, and I also got a lot of great feedback on just everything all around. And um, I appreciate Doc saying how comfortable he was on the podcast and how welcomed we made him feel because you know. As you've always said, Doc has seen it all in terms of interviews uh, over yep. 40, 40, 40 years. So, like, uh, to hear that from the legend Doc Good uh, was kind of cool. To me, so. it, it part of uh, part of what made it so special to me is because I know because I've had to tell the Bill Polster story, the Gen K story, so many so many times over and over and over again, and it gets tiring. It gets it, it, you know it's something. Yeah. I don't want to leave relive through these stories anymore. We've all already heard it. I'm sure he probably has felt the same way at, at some point in time. Uh, so to hear him to be able to tell stories that he doesn't usually get to tell, I think that he really enjoyed that. And we obviously really, really enjoyed listening. Yeah, no, he, he was, he's a guy that you, uh, for me personally was worth all the homework, you know, diving well deep into that career, which is a long one, uh, to, you know, hear some stories that are unheard. So, uh, I had a great time and, and you look like I told you a kid in the candy (laughs) store, you know, I was, I really was, I was. And, um, it was fantastic. And I, I love that he said that he thanks for making him comfortable. And I love that he gave you the props for the, uh, the research that you did about the questioning. So I thought that was, that was pretty damn cool. Yeah. And <laughs> while we're, while we're at it, um, that was our first guest after 24 episodes, uh, not going to announce who was coming on uh, our podcast in the future, but I will tell you, we have a couple guys that will be coming on and, I'm going to just reiterate, hit that subscribe button because I just put on Shay underscore hello. The first 350 subscribers were about 290 in, which is a good number uh, for the amount of time we've been on. We'll have the first crack of asking these guys a question live on the air, just like we did with Doc. Um, and trust me, without giving out the name, because I can't right now, um, you're going to want to have that first crack of asking questions. So hit that subscribe button, say hello media on YouTube. Um, 
and uh, uh, follow us, Shay underscore hello, because trust me, once we announce these names, um, you're going to want to get in. So, uh, yeah, that was cool about Doc, but we have to move on from the legend. He'll have his number retired uh, April 14th. And uh, are you going, by the way? Uh, I haven't solidified the plans yet, but I'm definitely making sure that I'm going to be there for that for sure. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be awesome to go to. And, uh, April, hopefully the weather holds up you know, yeah, that's as well. I'm hoping for a nice day, you know, yeah, me too. hopefully doc gets a nice day and all the fans get a nice day. Yeah. And it was really cool. As we keep talking about doc, how he said, uh, <laughs> you know, he's bringing Gary Carter's wife out and, yeah. you know, uh, he, he really has a connection with Met fans. So I love that. You know, once a hey, once a Met, always a Met, man. It's special. Uh, and that people, we don't just say that as former players. We mean it. We, yeah. we really mean it. That perfect way to go into. Hey guys, baseball's back. It is report. Uh, spring trading pitchers and catchers have reported, and the, the crack of the bat, the smell of the grass, uh, it's all there. Um, we're back. The off season is in the rearview mirror, kind of. We'll get into that a little bit later with a couple free agents still available. But as for the Mets, pitchers and catchers have reported uh, uh, the full squad is uh, the weekend of the 17th for their first full squ- uh, squad workout. So basically my point, Bill, offseason is over. We made it. And here we are, 2024 campaign. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. I just unofficial start of baseball to me is the unofficial start of spring. So yeah. I, I, I'm a kid in the candy store every time this happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, you look for that turn in the weather and you look for uh, your favorite sport to be back on. You made it through the, the football season. And I mean, I, I enjoy watching football and all that. But I know that I enjoy sitting down every night when I get a chance to to watch the ball games when the ball games come back around. So this is, means we're that much more closer to it. And uh, as a former player I actually, it's so crazy. And I just actually <laughs> took a quick little nap not too long ago. I start having dreams, uh, pitching dreams still to wow. this day. I'm 50 years old. I stopped playing at 37 and it never fails this time of year. I start having dreams about being on the field or being in the clubhouse. And, uh, a wow. lot of times it's kind of, kind of scary dreams because I can't find my locker or I can't find my uniform or I can't yeah. get my uniform tied back up. But it's just so crazy how every year around this time the baseball dreams start to kick in even to this day wow that, that is amazing you know it, it, it's psychology 101 i would love to you know i get it um so yeah uh, i've had this I, conversation with a few other former players and and, and i they, thought am i the only one and no I, i'm not the only one so it's and they've been they've been coming for the past week so it's my body kind of knows or my brain knows that uh yeah it's baseball time our our heads, our brains, I should say, are computers. So you know, half half more than half your life, you're a baseball player, spring training or spring baseball. You know, this I I get it, fascinating. Yep. So, yep. It's um, perfect time to ask you specifically. Um, it's not about a mailbag question. It's a question that I'm actually uh, wondering. Uh, as a former pitcher, around this time, let's take the dreams out for a second, which is still fascinating uh, to me. Uh, a couple questions. As someone who knows they're making the team, as you've been there, and also as someone for spring trading trying to break the roster who might be on the bubble, how do you approach things on both ends? Well, I've been in both situations, obviously. Um, it's You prefer the one where you, you kind of know that you're penciled in or, or penned in, hopefully, uh, where you can just kind of 
you look, you're not taking it easy and you're because your job is still on the line. Uh, but you know that you can kind of ease your way into spring training. And if you have a bad outing or if you have a bad uh, live batting practice or if you're a little bit wild early on or a certain pitch isn't coming, it's not the end of the world. You know, you know that you have time to work on it. And the coaches will say as such, you right. know, to, to remind you of that, because as competitors, we definitely want to always try to, to be our very best. And uh, so it's a lot easier to go into spring training knowing that you have a slot where whether it's in the bullpen or whether it's on the in the starting staff uh, and you're just getting your work in like they like so, like, so we, they, we like to say, you know, I was just getting my work in today. Yeah. And I was just, you know, that's a great thing. And it's a great feeling to be that guy. Uh, on the other hand, as a guy that's going in uh, trying to make a club, um, I mean, it's stressful every single day. I and mean, you know that every single foot you put forward, you're trying to impress the organization. You're trying to impress the other players. You're trying to fit in with the other players. Uh, you, you Obviously, every bullpen, you got to be as sharp as you possibly can. Hopefully, you show up with all of your pitches um already ready and already sharp i know that it's kind of crazy how they do things and i'm not sure if it's different now because it's been a while but uh usually you go into spring training you've already thrown enough bullpens where you're throwing breaking balls and off-speed pitches and all that and then you get into camp and it's the first week we go back to just fastballs only yeah so as the guy who uh, is looking to win that job you're you're there first thing in the morning first guy there last guy to leave just uh and putting your best foot forward you know, you gotta you gotta prove from day one to the last day of spring training that you belong on a roster. Yeah, um, there's I, I I mean it's common sense. If you have a roster locked in, you're more comfortable, and like you said, you work on things. If not, you know, obviously more pressure. Um, so uh, that leads us to right into the Metville in uh, Port St. Lucie right now. Um, I had a question. I guess I'll just go right into it because it's, it's kind of like what we just talked about. Um, I wrote about this for the Shea Hello Media newsletter. If you go to our LinkedIn on any of our social media platforms, uh, Shea Hello Media on Instagram, Shea underscore hello on uh, X, Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it these days. Uh, Formerly known as. Exactly. Uh, click the link tree, hit newsletter. It's free. I wrote a long article on this, Bill. Um, I don't know if you're subscribed, um, but I could easily find out. Uh, it's free. And I wrote a long article about what and Bill and I have talked about this until the cows come home, what a lot of ifs have to go right for the mess to have a good year. So basically I wrote this article about those ifs. And so the question that I have for you and I'll answer as well, what players certain, it doesn't have to be X amount of players, what, whoever comes to mind, pitchers, position players in your mind, half are the, the ones that are vital that they have to, have that if it goes right season for the mess to be competitive and have a chance to get a wild card spot. Uh, I know my players, uh, do you have any uh, guys in mind? Well, I, I mean, obviously I would say that the top, the, the top guys all have to really do their thing. And if not better than last year, which is, you want that to happen every single year. Uh, so obviously Pete and Nimmo and Lindor and Senga, they have to really, really hold their own. If not even come above and above and beyond a little bit uh, than even two years ago, let's say, where they all had tremendous years. Obviously, Senga wasn't around yet. Right. But um, I think that three names that I could pull out that I feel like need to really, really uh, show that they belong and show improve and show it, uh, show improvement, it would be Beatty, Vientos, and DJ Stewart. Ooh. Obviously, big roles that they're, they're, they're going to play. Uh, if I had to throw another one out there, we need to see Marte of two years ago, hopefully a healthy Marte. I think he changes 
He changes the whole dynamic of the team. Um, and then uh, some unproven commodities or bounce back uh, for guys in the bullpen. Obviously, we'd yeah. like to see uh, Diaz coming back at full strength. Uh, I'd like to see – I was hoping when we talked about this in the past that he got into a winter league or something like that and have some at-bats. But uh, uh, getting him in games and getting him seeing hitters as soon as possible. But uh, I think that the main guys and then the, the, the three DH guys uh, or DH slash outfielders and Marte, uh, third baseman, um, Beatty and Vientos, uh, yeah. are, are huge cogs into what's going to happen this year with, that ball, with the ball club. Uh, totally agree. I guess – uh, what I wrote about, and I, I guess I framed it poorly, I, I'm saying I expect, not that it's going to happen, I just hope and I expect that the guys, the big guys that you brought up, the Lindor, Alonzo, you know, uh, Nimmo, have what we expect. Um, the the X factor, and you touched upon it, and I agree with all of them. Even uh, DJ Stewart is one that I did not write about. Uh, very big X factor because we saw how big – of a he can be. <laughs> power surge he had last year and the power that he possesses that could change things. So uh, I didn't have that one written down, obviously, in my head. Yes, um, we'll see how the playing time, you know, is varied between him and like a, a, a Vientos at DH and a Marte in right field. Um, but what I wrote down here and what I wrote in the article on the newsletter, again, Linktree in bio on our social media platforms. I had Vientos, McNeil, Marte, and Severino. Those oh, geez. That's, yeah. were my four. And real quick, we've talked about it, but for the listeners and everyone watching, obviously Vientos is get, given the keys now to have that DH role. And he's 24 years old. We've seen immense power from him at times. And I've said it before. Small sample size, but he tears up AAA, and now it's his time to show what he can do in MLB. Um, because last year, he, he he was given a play a day, sit for three, play a day. We talked about it. You can't get it to rhythm. It's hard, very hard. That will change this year. Um, and so hopefully, you know, he, he had those at-bats that were consistent in September, and obviously results were better. So Did Vientos, he play winter ball? No. Do we know if he played winter ball? He, he didn't. Wow. No. Um, the only ones that I know that played winter ball, Mauricio, who tore his knee up out for the year, right. uh, which affects third base and Beatty and Vientos. And uh, Joey Wendell will be there as well. Um, and then obviously uh, Marte played winter yeah. ball. In did the... um, Alvarez play at all? He didn't no. I bet he, he didn't play at all, huh? No. Nah, just... Wow, it's usually like the – I know like we've talked about this before. Usually the Venezuelan players – uh, and, and Dominican players for that. all of them really because I played in all of them. like when they first get their taste of the the major leagues they kind of go back and will play for their right away play for their team and uh, just yeah. get the accolades and get the love from the fans and also give the the local team a little bit of a boost you know that hey we've got the the new major leaguer back he's so it's um, interesting that he didn't play but he you yeah. know what he played more innings than I guess he'd ever played so probably a rest was well warranted that's exactly why I think so as well yeah, yeah also. Uh, he's very uh, active, I guess I would use the word active on Instagram and he always posts his work working, him working. Yeah. and he, you know, you could frame it any which way you want, but he worked hard this off season. You yeah, know? He's a hardworking kid. I have not, I'm not taking anything. I mean, I have my qualms as a former pitcher with his yeah. catching style, but I will never take away that kid's passion and that guy's uh, work ethic. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I actually, I saw uh, this week that pitchers and catchers reported. It was weird. 
and awesome at the same time. Him and Kevin Parada, who's a younger catcher, or actually he's older than Alvarez, but right. just drafted a couple of years ago as a catcher, you see Alvarez actually kind of mentoring him, which is awesome to see, you know? And Alvarez only has one year under his belt, so. I think um, Alvarez, he just relishes everything it is is there is to be about being a, a professional baseball player and a major league baseball yeah. player for New York Met and playing uh, in New York. I think he relishes every moment of it. I, I totally agree, oh, and I, I didn't put him on the list of X factors or the if factor. Only that... He obviously is, but I, I say that because he's kind of inferred like Pete and Nimmo and Lindor, where I just feel he's going to have a very good season. You know, yeah. um, I, I would, I, do. I would expect, a, I would expect a improvement from him. But well, the reason I say the, the big guys is because of the, the lack of star power that was signed this, this off season. So the pressure does then go back on the, the, the star guys that you do have. And we yeah. talked about this in length um, about Lindor with, with the way I feel about the strikeouts and the batting average. So for me, his improvement would be cut down on the strikeouts, improve the batting average, maintain the power numbers. And I think he's capable of doing that. Obviously, Pete, bring up the batting average a little bit. We'd like to see McNeil bring the batting average up a right. little bit. Nimmo, man, don't worry about hitting the ball over the fence so much. Let Pete and Alvarez hit the ball over the fence. Hopefully, J.D. Stewart can hit the ball over the fence. But uh, I think everybody has to kind of have their, their best foot forward and play as well as they possibly can for for them to be the team that we, we hope for them to be. Yeah. And, and I mean – Every if has to go right because yeah. they're not they're not constructed. And again, as Bill said, we we've talked about this at length. But here we are at showtime. Um, you know, I had Marte as well. Obviously, has to have that. Let, let's say, give us ninety percent, eighty five percent of what you did in twenty twenty two. I get he didn't play all of the second half last year. He had played only eighty five six games last he was year. Never healthy. No, um, he played winter ball. He looks healthy. He's right now, as constructed, going to show up at camp, be right field. And if he stays healthy, I would assume he'll, he will get time off, half a day off, have DH, you know, help his yeah, legs and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think he brings a, a different, yeah, like, you know, Lindor has the swagger and Pete has the swagger. And I, and I think. Marte. Yeah. He does too, but it's like a different, it's a different manner. Like his is more of a a little more of an edge to me, you know, than okay. more of a little bit of a show. It's more like a, there's show, there's show, but there's a little bit of pistivity in there as well. Uh, I know what you mean. Marte. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, 2022 with Marte, big, huge year until he got hit in the hands of September and missed all of that month. Ruined the season. It really Ruined did. The season. Um, but he looks healthy. In my opinion, he was the glue of that 22 uh, lineup. So, Give us 85% of 2022, and I get you're older, and I get you're coming off major injuries two years prior now, but if we get 85 of 2022, I think we'll be okay with Marte. Big if. And he's a threat on the bases, you know, steals bases. Just a, yeah. a good, good, great defensive player, good arm, good bat. Yeah. Takes, and then, takes walks, good player. He was actually stealing bases before he, you know, whatever the injury that he was out, that they never heard really, yeah, the groin that he had surgery on in the offseason. Yep. Yep. Um, and it'll probably he, take a year. You know, it probably takes right. a year. You're, you're feeling all right and ready to play at six months or whatever. But to feel, yeah. say you're really, really good, it's probably a year. Yeah. And he was stealing, like I just said, he was stealing bases early on last year at, at will, you know. Yep. So hopefully we see that again. Real quick, it doesn't need to go in depth here. We've talked about it. Most Met fans know this. 
if we could get Jeff McNeil back of the of 2022, where he literally won the batting title, he hit three off the top of my head, 326, won the batting title last year, 270. You know, an OPS obviously dropped huge. Um, if we could get 85 percent, I'll use that number again of what? No, 90 percent because we need McNeil of yeah, I'll 20, take 300. Yeah. Um, uh, I think uh, I, I, I'm hoping that Chavez being back as as the voice in the hitter's ears is going to make a difference because the team and I got nothing against any coach or anything, but the team was a different team approach wise last year than they were the previous year. Yeah. So I'm hoping Chavez, who was a very good hitter, who could hit home runs, but could hit the ball where it needed to be hit, when it needed to be hit in that spot, can get back in these guys' ears and uh, why I you know. Obviously, I, the reasons for them not keeping his hit as coach because they were afraid he was going to leave as a manager. But uh, uh-huh. I think things are back in place where he kind of where he kind of needs to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you bring up Chavez. Just uh, he is. It's weird how his met ten years gone. Came in as the hitting coach in twenty twenty two. Last year he was the bench coach, and they kept Jeremy Barnes. That's why they made the move because other teams wanted the assistant hitting coach Jeremy Barnes. So this year, John Gibbons, the former Blue Jays manager, is now the bench coach. Chavez, back to what you just alluded to, hitting coach. And they kept Jeremy Barnes and made up a position as co-hitting coach or whatever, you know. Um, So There's a lot of coaching uh, staff positions nowadays that were not coaching staff positions when I played, that's for sure. Yeah. Quality Um, control coach. You're right, exactly. Uh, The last one, and then we'll move on. Uh, And I I want your take on this because it's a pitcher. Uh, Luis Severino is a big if for me. Obviously, like Diaz is a big if. You know, Jorge Lopez, big if. But I'm, I'm looking at the bigger ifs. Luis Severino signed one year, $13 million, Can't stay healthy. 45 starts in the last five years, all with the Yankees. Has had success with the Yankees in New York. But again, long time ago, coming off an awful year. But here he is, still young. I think he's only 29. He has a lot to prove. It's, it's already a walk year, one-year deal, no opt-out. If he can have, you know, again, if, you know, I keep saying if, a good year, I don't even know what that means because it hasn't happened in a while, that could change the entire dynamic of the Mets rotation with a Manaya and a, and a Senga and a Quintana. So I look at him, Severina, as a huge if. Yeah, you hope you hope for the best. You know, I wish uh, I was allowed to pitch at some of the numbers that he's been allowed to pitch at and continue to pitch in the major leagues. <laughs> you know, I know anytime my ERA was creeping up at five and that I was on a, a plane or on a, a bus to uh, somewhere in the minor leagues. But with yeah. that being said, he's obviously shown flashes throughout his career that he can be, uh, I'm not going to say a number one, but right up close no. at times, you know, to be in one of the, uh, you know, a top of a staff guy. So he's obviously getting a little older, but still under 30. Yep. Um, as fans, we've got a, hope for the best and root for the best, you know, and, and try to stay positive with him because if we get negative with him right away after a poor outing and spring training and all that, that just adds pressure. And I know that they're pro baseball players and they should be able to handle anything. But as human beings, we we know the pressure, we feel the pressure, and uh, we all are hoping for a, a, a nice bounce back and a successful. And it would be a great story too where he comes across town and can uh, can turn his career around a little bit. I actually just have to write down a couple things because you hit a lot of – things that I, I want to touch on and that always happens here on our podcast Sorry. no no it no it's great uh, about Severino still under 30 like I said he's 29 um 
but you were talking about how you would in the earlier generation, if you have an ERA over five, you're on plane, you know, you're out of here, dude. He had a six something ERA last year. It was the worst ERA for qualified starters. He got $13 million this year. So the Mets see something that a lot of, you know, I don't, but I'm not in the front office. So, uh, I get it. Also, how big is this? You're a big facial hair guy, obviously. You know, growing up, you had the sideburns and the goatee, you know, when you were at the Mets, got the beard now. Uh, all the former Yankees who have signed on with other teams, including Severino, they've all grown their beards back. How big is that for a big leaguer to feel free and ex- do what you want, beard-wise? Was, you know what? It, I know it sounds silly. It's not. It, it's not. It is, it's not. And I actually remember getting in contact with Lance Johnson during the off season one dog years ago when there was some, a brief talk by the guy that was a manager at the time. We're not going to put any names out or put anybody under the bus. Cause that's not what this story is about actually about changing facial hair policy. And oh. uh, we, I was up in arms about it obviously, because like you said, it was a big part of your persona. And mm-hmm. um, as you can tell by the people that do leave the Yankees, it's, it's a part of their persona and they like to, to have the facial hair. Um, I don't judge people one way or the other with facial hair. I would hope that people wouldn't judge me one way or the other with facial hair either. I think as long as it's, you know, well-kempt, you know, you're not growing a crazy, ridiculously long beard like some of the Phillies guys are, and they let, you know, do whatever you want. But that's not my thing. But it is a thing for for athletes. I don't know if it's like Solomon's hair or whatever, King Solomon's hair or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, the guys that enjoy the facial hair do enjoy the facial hair. Yeah, I think it's more of like I I saw – you see it on social media players are walking in to report from their cars to the door. And like I saw IKF who was on the Yankees, no facial hair, grew out a beard, um, Severino, other guys. And it's like more of just like, you could relax and be yourself kind of thing. Don't know how to describe it. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, oh, sure, yeah. lis- I sh- I'm sure listeners do. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is I disagree with the Yankees bullshit, you know, but that's just me. So. Well, um, I guess there's one thing in baseball that the out of all the things that have been tradition or whatever in baseball, there's one thing that's stuck because everything yeah. else is kind of flew right yeah. out the window pretty much. Yeah. So I, I just brought up a couple of guys like IKF and Severino who have signed. Uh, a couple of things before we get into the mailbag. Uh, here we are in the middle of February, spring training. All has 30 started. teams <laughs> has started. All 30 teams, pitchers and catchers have reported and yeah. there are i'm going to read you these names the here are the bigger names that are available and keep this in mind there's still over 100 free agents available but the bigger names that are unsigned as of when pitchers and catchers have reported ready cody bellinger the reading nl uh Cy Young award winner blake snell jordan montgomery matt chapman jd martinez brandon belt mike clevenger tommy fan uh whit merrifield Adam Duvall, Tim Anderson, all don't have a home or a team right now. Uh, what in did, the world? Did, yeah. Did Rosario sign? No. Uh, yeah. Ahmed, has he? No, no. Right. There's I, another. Just did, I mean, listen, that guy's right. been pretty good the last couple of years, you know? Right. I just didn't write him down because he doesn't, you know, but no, he's a free agent there. I mean, he's not, he's not as some of those other names, but again, this is another solid player out there that, yeah, it's really, yeah. it's really bizarre. Um, a lot of these guys have a, a Boris as their, you know, uh, agent 
Uh, so he's still holding out, but I, it's a question I'm going to ask you and, and to the listeners, if you want to comment uh, on our YouTube page at Shea Hello Media, subscribe as well. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's February as a former player and just as a human being, and you're, you're looking for a contract of five to seven years. Some of these guys, you kind of want to know where you're going to be and you got to get acclimated for the 2024 season. Like, this is unheard of. I understand a Bryce Harper once signed late with the Phillies, but for all these guys, I mean, we're talking dozens. It's unheard of. You know, people have families, people have, you know, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would say this, the fortunate thing that those names have going for them is that the money is still going to be right to where they're not going to have to worry about whether they can eat uh, today or tomorrow or in two months. Um, But with that being said, uh, being successful on the baseball field has a lot to do with comfortability, which we just kind of talked about a little bit with the beard. I know how silly it sounds or the facial hair, Not but so. uh, <laughs> your surroundings, your, your teammates, you're getting to know uh, the the front office, getting to know the training staff, getting, you, you want to kind of know these things and start to get, get things going. I mean, we've talked about it before. This is beyond bizarre. At some point in time, you have to start questioning uh, is Boris really getting something done? For you, right. I mean, what exactly is he doing? If you have, or what? I mean, I know that the the market was broken. Yep. Uh, and I I think that it was a terrible thing that it was completely broken the way that it was broken. Uh, but at some point in time, as a player, you got to get on with you got to get on with business, and we got to we got to make it happen. You know, I mean, how much? What is the difference in the money that these guys are looking for, or what are the teams doing holding them hostage by not offering that kind of money? What's the difference? I don't know. This is very bizarre. Jorge Soler signed a couple days ago. That's why he's not on this list, but he was another guy. He got three years with the Giants for, you know, 60 whatever million. But that was a staring contest between the Giants and Soler, who wanted three years. So, so who blinked? The Giants. They, they gave him the three years. They gave him, yeah. For a guy that struck out more than once a game. I mean, look, he's, we've talked about it before. He gets hot and he can, yep. you know, he can lead a league. He can lead a league in home runs like he did. But uh, so they blinked. Yeah, they gave him a yeah. lot of money. So it, it just brings up all the guys that I mentioned. And obviously there's 50 to 100 others, like you said, of Rosario, Med, former okay. Met. Like you got to get acclimated. You got to get in shape. I know they're staying in shape, you know. But there's nothing like on the field shape. There's right. nothing like it. And as a former player and just anyone with common sense, you want to get to know your teammates. You want to get acclimated with the coaching staff and trainers, you know, for all these guys – Spring training has literally started. I never thought that we'd be here, but here we are. So yeah. crazy. Um, Thanks a lot, Dodgers. Yep. <sighs> Yamamoto, <laughs> cough, cough. Um, it's a lot of money. It is. Let's and we trust me. We spent too much time on Yamamoto. Yeah, yeah. So we let's did. move on real yep. quick. I don't want to make this a big story because it, it really isn't. Um, and then we'll get into the mailbag. But I'd be remiss not to just touch upon it with Billy Epler and. Uh, finally, Major League Baseball came down on what the penalty was for Epler being suspended. And ultimately, what the punishment is, is he's uh, out for the 2024 season, uh, which is fine, I'm sure, by him because he didn't have a job. He didn't have a job. Uh, you know, anyway. Whether he resigned over this or something else, I think there's more to the story. The punishment, he can't do anything in 2024. He's reinstated in 2025. He's paid. He doesn't lose any money. He's still getting paid money for this year and next year by Steve Cohen. 
So he could sit on his couch and, you know, go crazy. Um, but the question is, the reason that the investigation and why he was suspended and ultimately now uh, ineligible to be an MLB is for manipulation of the IL or what they would say, the phantom IL. And yeah. like I, I sent you a quote by Tommy Hunter. I'm sure some listeners have said other players have come out in Epler's defense. Um, every team does it. It seems as though the Mets were kind of singled out because you don't hear this about any of the 29 other teams, but they do it. But maybe Epler did it um, a lot and so much that it was like a, a mole on his face. Or maybe someone just snitched on him and gave a lot of information. I don't know. I, I just want your thoughts on it because it is bizarre. I'll say this. In my big league career, which was a little over four and a half seasons over or four years over seven seasons. So, you know, because I was up and down quite a bit. I never was put on a phantom DL and never saw it myself. I'm not going to say it doesn't exist. I will say this. I did see it happen at the minor league level where we had to, maybe somebody, we needed a starter, a starting pitcher or something. So you had to put somebody on the 10 day uh, IL. Um, what do they call it now? What is it called? Uh, IL. Is it the IL, IL in, now? In, yeah. Injury list. Yeah. Right. Formerly uh, put, DL. Yes. I did. I did see it in the minor leagues. I never saw it in the major leagues. I'm not right. going to say it doesn't doesn't happen because obviously people are that are involved in the in the major leagues now are saying it does happen. Um, I will say this, obviously, and we talked about this through text. It must have been egregious, you know. And I will name two players last year. They were kind of on that up and down train for quite a bit. And Thomas Nito and Guillaume, who I'm not even sure if they were ever really injured in the first place. So I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. But I would say that maybe the egregiousness of it. Uh, and then maybe if you piss the wrong person off, like you said, maybe somebody just decided we were going to say something, you know, you know how that yeah. goes. People are people. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to make it for him, but unfortunately he's getting paid. Right. And he wasn't going to uh, be part. It, obviously he resigned because of this, but you're right. He's getting paid. Mets did not lose a draft pick. So there's no penalty to the Mets. That was what the, everybody was worried about. Um, very odd. It just is. So we'll leave it you at know, that. Real or quick, something ahead. I yeah. heard about draft picks that I thought about, uh, like signing, um, let's say a Snell or something. I didn't even something we didn't even think about. Oh, I know where you're was, going uh, with this. Yep. Was the was the giving up compensatory? Compensatory is that the word? Comp pick. Uh, the if you offered a qualifying offer and they rejected it when he signs with X team, that team is giving a uh, getting X of uh, the Padres qualifying. Would you get the draft. Would you get the draft, draft pick? Your which high, is a, a, a comp. It's a high pick. It's you know, a comp so, pick, so it falls in between like first and second, second round. round. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's yes. something I hadn't. I don't think we brought that up, but that's another reason maybe that that's keeping people away from. Uh, it's from huge. Some of these big names. It is, and Blake Snell has that. Um, yes. Now, I should have a huge, great point by you. There is a date where it falls off, and okay. I, I'm not sure exactly when that date is, and my computer is not open right now. But there is a date, and you know what's. Funny I'm sure about, that you yeah, go ahead. The, what's funny about you saying that there's a date makes me wonder. I know we're getting off topic, but I will make this quick. It makes you wonder if the people that are running organizations are so dis, disconnected with what it takes to be ready to play that they were willing to play that game to wait, you know, and then say, oh, he's a former Cy Young Award winner. He'll run him right out there. He'll be ready. And he's saying he's ready, even yeah. though we know that spring training is spring training for six weeks for a reason. And that's to right. get you ready to play. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like. 
the a double-edged sword. You you really don't want to give up that pick, but you're willing to take on and give millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to a guy the, that might not be ready to play when it's time to play. Exactly. I I know where right. I'm going with that, but um, yeah, it's a great point. I I've thought about it. I got to know. I got to figure out that date um, because that's a big thing. Because uh, we've got into the point where what else could it be? You know, yeah. we're so, all trying to we're racking our brains trying to figure it out. It's on. It, it's the weirdest off season I can remember in quite some time. If and, uh, and rightfully so, as we have the highest contract ever, and none of that money is being paid out and, yeah. until over the next two centuries. And <laughs> another guy that's never pitched a pitched a day in the big leagues is getting uh, three hundred million dollars. So I guess it kind of yeah. all kind of makes sense for this crazy, crazy uh, off season. It really has, and again, the off season is over, but we have all these free agents out there. So crazy. Moving on. The mailbag. Uh, as I say every Shea Hello podcast, and we talked about it with Doc Gooden last week, all the questions last week, obviously for the legend that he is, Doc Gooden. Uh, back to normal business, Bill. It is our mailbag. More questions obviously go to the former MLB player and you, a couple to me. Uh, we ask uh, if you follow Shea underscore hello on X, formerly Twitter. Uh, over the weekend, we'll put out Drop your questions here, and you can have a question read live, just like we're about to do right now to either me or Bill. Bill, it's been a couple of weeks since we did it our way. Obviously, Doc did not. Doc was great. Uh, you ready? I am ready. Okay. You're going to be shocked. I'm going to start with NYGI. Who's that? Your, never, heard, never heard of him. Your boy. Ready? All right. Yes, Bill. Sir. Actually, keeps it short and sweet. Bill. What was your favorite and least favorite part of spring training? Uh, favorite part is obviously baseball starting again, you know, um, being, getting going again, you know, like it's uh, the new year. It's the, it's the new year for baseball. So getting, getting the season started, uh, getting back with your teammates uh, and being out there and just doing the thing that you love. The worst part um Obviously, being up early in the morning, because as baseball players, most of them <laughs> played at night during the season. So getting up early for six weeks straight, because uh, even if you're a, a morning workout guy during the winter, it's usually, you know, you're not you're working out at nine o'clock. You're not yeah. you know, showing up to the park at 7 a.m. Um, I would I would say PFP and covering first base 8000 times. But to be honest with you, I kind of enjoyed that. So I would say that the early rises. uh is, is what kind of the, the worst part of spring training. That actually is crazy because not, I, I, I get what you're saying that 95% of exhibition games are at in the day in the day. But then as we get into the regular season, it just switches like Which a, is tonight. right to night games. And it just like, it doesn't really make that much sense. You're just, well, right, the thing I'm thinking is, is like spring training is maybe like vacation destination for people. Yeah. So they want to have their evenings, maybe. So maybe we get the days, you know, the games done during the day, and that. And uh, you know, I guess it's spring training is kind of like the 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 lunchbox going going to work, quote unquote, time right. of the year. You know, so maybe you know you work during the day, even though, and the entertainment's at night. And then once the season starts, you become the entertainment. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. think it's like put your nose to the grindstone and work, and let's get to work. And we work during the day, and we we entertain at night. Plus, you know, guys are paid accordingly. They're professionals. So, you know what? Okay, spring training is during the day. We got to flip the switch for the regular season. We can do it. You know, oh, I yeah. get it. You do what you, you got to do. Right. You do what you got to do. Okay. Uh, 
Thank you for the question, uh, NYMGI. We will move to Jimmy Lags, who's been a big part of all this yep. uh, in our mailbags. He's got great questions. Um, first, his only question, he goes, great interview with Doc. Not sure if you mentioned this before, and this is a question to you, Bill, by the okay. way. Bill, do you remember the exact moment and where you were when you were called up to Major League Baseball? Where were you, your thoughts, your emotions, all that kind of stuff? I'm not sure if we covered this or not, so I'll, I'll do it, uh, obviously, because the, 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 the gentle person, I'll say. Uh, the masses want to know. The ma- yeah, okay. Um, my story is kind of funny, to be honest with you. Because there's so much uh, media in New York and WFAN and uh, all of the, the – the, it's covered all the time during the season. And at the time, there was a lot of hype. Uh, my father-in-law lived on Long Island at the time, and I was playing in Norfolk at AAA. And – he listened, you know, he was a, a listener, regular lis- listener of the, the sports talk radio and that. And um, he actually called, <laughs> called one morning. I want to say it was a, it must've been a Tuesday or a Thursday. I'm not sure. Tuesday or a Wednesday, but he called and said, Hey, you're pitching Saturday against the Astros. I'm like, what? He's like, no, you're pitching Saturday against the Astros. It's been announced. I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. I can't believe this. I mean, I was, look, I was hoping to be called up soon, but. I didn't expect uh-huh. my father-in-law at the time. It was not my father-in-law at the time. It was my girlfriend's yeah. father, my father-in-law now. Um, so I knew that I was going to be pitching Saturday in the big leagues before I even went to the yard, Harbor field in Norfolk uh, that day. So now here we go. It's getting time to go to the yard. I got to go to the yard and pretend like, I don't know that I'm starting on Saturday against uh-huh. the Astros. Uh, and that's when I got to the yard and I got called in to the, uh, to the manager's office. And I had a phone call from, uh, from Steve Phillips at the time to tell me, congratulating, congratulating me that I, I had made it to the, you know, being getting called up and I was scheduled to pitch on Saturday. So I had to kind of obviously still buzzing off of the fact that I'm going to be pitching in the major leagues, but had to kind of pretend like I was surprised again, that I was finding this out, but, uh, the emotions, um, just pure joy and pure exhilaration to, to know that your dream uh, is going to come to fruition and you're going to play for the team that you grew up rooting for. And, uh, you know, one of the best moments of my life to this very day. Yeah. Uh, we definitely haven't discussed it because I you hadn't that, heard that. No, I definitely <laughs> would remember that because that's yeah. an awesome story. I mean, you, you, those are like bucket list moments of, of people's lives that Absolutely. don't even, you know, to be in the majors is 1% if less. You're part of that. And of course, you know, you would remember where you are. The crazy thing is, is that you had to hide it when you got to the ballpark, yeah. you know? I had to pretend like I hadn't heard I was getting yeah. called up I, the big I, That had to be really tough, but, uh, you know, I, I'm oh, sure. Oh, believe you... me, I was, I was beaming going to the yard that I knew it, it, it was going to happen. It was, it was going to happen. I can't say finally going to happen because it was only three, a little over three years out of high school, but yeah, it's, but know, still. Since, I was, since I was four years old, I was telling people I was going to play major league baseball. So obviously it was right. Like, a huge moment of my life and still one of the, the, the greatest times of my life. Uh, yeah. Couldn't imagine. Uh, great question as always, Jimmy lags, uh, because I, I didn't know that story. So thanks for uh, asking Jimmy. And thanks for sharing bill. Uh, we'll, we'll go one more question. It's from Jeff Cohen who um, he, he does our bail bag. It seems like every week he has yep. his own podcast. Uh, check it out. Baseball and barbecue. I listen to it. Uh, great podcast. He actually, Thank you, Jeff. He includes me on this one. Um, so he's got one for you and one for me. We'll start with you. 
Um, he goes, Bill, can you give us some insight to how the team travels? Is there a dedicated charter uh, oh, for question. the plane? Uh, and how does it work with the borders for customs as like Canada? Uh, if you have any insight for that. You know what? I remember reading this, actually. That's a great question because uh, most people don't know about it. Um, we uh, go from the field to the buses. There's usually two, two, two team buses. Buses go right out to the tarmac and right onto the plane. Um, it depends on the organization, whether it's a, a, like a chartered flight where it's just your, your airplane or like, let's say with the Mets, they fly Delta. Yep. It's not a, it's not a, it's a chartered flight. Nobody else is on the flight besides the team. Of course. But it's not like when I played with Milwaukee, we actually, my second year in Milwaukee, we had the Brewers, I mean, excuse me, the Bucks plane and the Bucks had their own specific plane. So every seat in there was like um, a first class seat and it was two seats, two seats, the whole, the whole plane right. where like, let's say with the Mets or like with the Red Sox, we had a Delta airplane and it was a chartered flight and we, um, <clears throat> We just, you had your row, you know, everybody had a row to their self, or if you wanted to sit with somebody so you could play cards or whatever. But um, obviously we don't, you don't fly with uh, no commercial. You don't fly commercial. Right. And then you get right off on the tarmac. You go right to two more buses and then off to the hotel. How does uh, the TSA work? When you go into Canada, before you fly, before you land, the flight attendants come by with documentation papers. You fill out the documentation papers. Um, a gentleman from the TSA security will come through on the plane, actually collect all of the, uh, the paperwork, ask you, do you have anything to declare? Obviously it's a, no, you know, no, no, uh -huh. no. Right. And then you get right off the plane and you go, right. Uh, same thing, same thing. So okay. yes, we do still have to do the documentation of coming in and out of the country, but, uh, that's all done on the airplane and not actually inside the airport. Good question, Jeff. Um, yeah, good question. You know, yeah. Uh, he has one for me, and it's a good question, so I want to get I, – I, I know the answer for you, but the listeners don't. Uh, Jeff Cohen asks, Casey, besides uh, Shea Stadium and City Field, what is your favorite out-of-town ballpark? I like PNC uh, Park, which is where the uh, – Pittsburgh, where the uh, Pirates play. Yep. I know your answer because we've talked about it. I don't know if it was on the podcast or off. Um, I don't know if you know my answer, but I, I'm going to answer Jeff's question right now. Uh, Wrigley Field for me, and I I say that as a fan, not as a player, because I know for a fact you don't like Wrigley because we've talked about this. Yep. But to answer his question, as a fan, and I've been to over twenty ballparks, like Major League, you know, over my lifetime. And I, I my bucket list, one of my things to uh, check off is to go to all of them. Um, I got a long way to do that, but Wrigley Field, and I'll, short and sweet. You walk in there. I felt like I, I felt like I was in a video game. The ivy right there on the wall, outfield wall. It felt like it was. You could touch it. It's such a small ballpark, as you know, pitching there. I, I just fell in love with it, and everyone was friendly outside the ballpark. It's a great community for restaurants and stuff. Oh yeah, and, you know, Wrigleyville. Wrigleyville is great. So the park, I don't know. <laughs> right. So for me, Wrigley Field. Uh, I want to ask you as well. I'm sure the listeners are wondering. Uh, you could do it as a player or a fan or both. Uh, up to you, buddy. Well, I, I've always liked uh, two parks that I – one, aesthetics. Right. And that was sure. Coors Field. Coors Field was just a beautiful, beautiful stadium. And the the nature, you know, the rocks and the and – the, uh, the Rocky Mountains right there. 
Yeah. Well, that, even just inside the stadium where they have oh, the trees and the rock fountains right. and all that inside the yeah. stadium. Um, it's a it's a beautiful park. It really is a beautiful park. And then, too, I, I think we, we Fenway Park, uh, even though, like I said, when I played there, the amenities were not great. But the whole vibe inside the, the stadium was uh, was always just a lot, a lot of fun. You know, it's funny about Fenway Park, and I, I've been there and I've also been to Coors Field. I, Fenway Park was too cramped for me as a fan. I felt like all the seats it were is, top. It is as a fan, yes. And yeah. I've been there as a fan. You're right. In the seats, yeah. it is a, a smaller. Yeah. And they have those some of those crazy seats where you have a, an uh-huh. I-beam in front of you or something like that. You know, yeah, like but, the pesky pole. <laughs> you and know? Then, yeah. And then it's just history, too. You know, it's history. Yeah. Obviously, Wrigley is history, too. Mine more goes from, and we talked about this with Wrigley, and it's more about the uh, – the personal experiences that I had at Wrigley. I'm sure as a yeah. fan, it's, it's awesome to say you've been to Wrigley because of once again, history. Absolutely. Yeah. Wrigley for me, obviously all fans for you, I get why you are, you know, you, you have your thoughts because you were there as a fan and as a player. So uh, yeah. really quick story on my end before we get into quick pitches, which I'm excited because we didn't get to do it last week, but you brought up Coors Field. Obviously Coors Field is, above elevation or CL, you know, elevation. Um, they have it marked, I think, on a purple seat where purple it is. Seats. It goes all the know. way around the whole stadium. The whole yeah. line is pur- purple seats. So my first time there, I met a buddy who lives in Denver. He was working and my flight got in at, at like noon in, uh, you know, mountain time, I guess it is there. And yeah, of course. And uh, I had to kill a couple hours after, you know, before he got off of work. Rockies had a day game. So Bought a, a cheap ass ticket, upper deck, and you know, was waiting for my friend. It was a vacation for me. Had a couple beers, two beers in. I am drunk <laughs> as a skunk. And I'm like, what in the world? You know, like two beers? And again, I'm younger, so I wasn't, and my friend didn't tell me. Now, obviously, I'm older and I know all about it, but the elevation affects everything. Everything. You know? everything. So, my two beers was a, for the elevation that I was at sitting in the upper deck was basically the equivalent if I had 10 beers in a short oh amount goodness. of time. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> I, was, I was plastered, man. It wasn't on purpose. you know. I tell you this, we'll go in, and we'll do it quick. When you do go to Colorado and that, let's say as pitchers, you know, we do a lot of running. You can definitely feel the difference in the running. And even let's say you're sitting, you're sitting in the, the upper deck. Yeah, I'm just sitting climbing. Just climbing the the stairs itself, you can yeah. definitely feel the uh, the difference in the altitude. Yeah, um, but I love I love Coors Field. It, it's a beautiful it's, stadium. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, stadium. and just like they have a, a whole outside, you know, outside the ballpark where you could park, you know, drink in restaurants yep. and you know, and it's beautiful. So, well, it had totally. a lot to do with, uh, that area had a lot to do with kind of like the craft beer explosion around yeah. the country was that area. So yeah, yeah, pretty pretty cool. You went to Breckenridge, you know, brewery up there, you yeah. know, so if you're a fan of uh, the weather changing every day and, and beer and uh, a lot of outdoorsy kind of stuff, Denver's for you. And if Good you're spot. a baseball fan, check Coors Field out. Great ballpark. Absolutely. Let's get into quick pitches as we wrap this baby up. All uh, right. we, we didn't get to do it with Doc last week, uh, but we're right back at it. If you're new to the podcast every week with uh, Bill and I. I ask Bill three or four questions, usually three, and depending on how it goes, maybe four. He doesn't know the questions that are coming. They don't necessarily have to do with baseball. Some do, some aren't, and we go right into rapid fire. You ready, Bill? I'm ready. All right. Bill, if you had a pet parrot, what would you teach it to say? Oh, 
They well, obviously, up. you'd have to have the, the classic as Polly Want a Cracker. That would be, you know, you'd have to have that. And uh, I guess I hate, I hate to say this, but I'm going to be real honest. Okay. Probably, probably fuck you. I love that answer. Yeah. Or motherfucker. That, see, that that's the point of quick pitches because we want the honest answers and I would do the same thing. Yeah. Those are and probably, I, Polly Wants a Cracker, fuck you and motherfucker. Yeah. How how funny would that be? You it know, would be hilarious. You, you got a friend, yeah. And I'm sure the listeners out there they would agree. Like, think about it. You have a couple buddies over for you right. know a game or whatever. They don't even know you have a parrot, and you train the parrot to say "fuck you." Yeah. And the, imagine how that night would go. <laughs> it would. Uh, yeah. I. Yep. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, second question: Do you have a favorite line from any movie? That sticks out in your head. A, a line, a quote. That, I mean, there's so many of them. There's so, I, so many yeah. that I could go with. But, I mean, I'll give you really one from maybe my growing up years that I absolutely loved. And that's a, she don't even have a license, Lisa. That's a, a weird, that's a weird science. It's actually, he doesn't even have a license, Lisa. You're a little young for weird science. I've heard but, of it. Um, okay. This is, uh, for those that are of age, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good one. And that's uh, Michael Anthony Hall. Who delivered the line? Yeah. Um, obviously, we can go real simple with "Say hello to my little friend." You know, everybody, know. everybody loves that. And uh, there's a lot. There's so many. I mean, uh, so you're saying there's a chance that would be a good one, or Dumb like, and Dumber? Yeah, Dumb and Dumber. You're telling like, me there's you know, a chance. Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. 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 There's so many. There's so yeah. many. Yeah. All right, yeah. But he don't I, even have a license, Lisa. That's if the people of age that are watching, they know. They'll, they'll if you know, you know. Weird if science you know, you that know. quote. Yep. Okay. Uh depending on your answer on this, I got this could be our last one, or I got another one lined up for you. All right. All right. The most random fact off the top of the head your head that you know. A random fact that is obscure that you could just be like, hey, okay. kind of like Jer- right. Jerry Maguire in the humid head ways, you know, something like that. The latitudinal line of the Great Pyramid of Giza is the exact same numbers as the speed of light. Wow. Look it yeah. up. I, I'll take your word for it. Oh, wow. Our, I, I challenge our listeners and challenge you to look it up. I'm... The latitudinal line of the Great Pyramid of Giza and the speed of light are the exact same numbers. That's a great one. I love it. That never, That's definitely a random fact. I'll you look didn't it think up. you were hearing that. No, and that's why I'm not going to ask the next question because that's the, that's a great answer. Come on, answer. don't make me do another one. No, not after that. I just, right. wanted, I just wanted to chime in on a random fact because uh, I think our li- it's baseball related. I think, and I don't know if you probably know it. Uh, I'm not sure, um, but I, I want our listeners to, to – to know it, Stan Musial, the great uh, St. Louis Cardinal Hall of Famer. I've had uh, the pleasure of meeting him before he passed. May he uh, rest I, in peace. Uh, I've heard great stories about him as a person. Love to play the harmonica. I didn't know that. There's yep. another random fact. A random um, fact. I think he was like a lifetime 330 hitter or something. Tremendous baseball player. They didn't call him the man for no reason. Right. So my random fact is uh, Stan Musial. He had 3,630 career hits in his career. The random fact, he had exactly half of that hit on the road and 
away, a road and home. Wow. 1,815 hits away and 1,815 hits at home. Literally half of his 36-30 career hits. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's, that's got to be the only guy of three uh, – Probably the only guy at anything, but definitely the only guy of 3,000 hits that's that's dead right down the middle, 50-50. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, you could have a guy that had two career hits and maybe one on the road, one at home. But, uh, you know. Uh, for, yeah, I guess that's true. But for th- over for 3,600 hits, you know, that's hello. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to wrap up the quick pitches on that because uh, you gave a great answer. I'm going to look that up. Um, look it up. And uh, that's going to wrap up episode number 25 uh, already. Uh, everybody listening and watching or both, please like, share, and subscribe. And uh, I had a, it was back to business as usual, Bill, uh, you and me. Uh, we won't announce our guests coming up, but again, let me just reiterate, subscribe because when we do announce the guest, the first 350 subscribers to our YouTube channel will get the first crack at answering a question just like we did with Doc Gooden. We're around 290 subscribers right now. So uh, get on that. Say hello media on YouTube. We're available. Please follow us. Drop a comment and a like uh, on any platform. We're there. The uh, Shalo podcast. Uh, any final words, Bill? It was good to have uh, just you and me back in our, our little intimate setting without, you know, the legend. And that was awesome. Doc Gooden. Yeah. No, just a good show again. Thanks for the questions uh, to the fans. Thanks for the questions, Casey. And um, let's go Mets. Baseball is it's back. back. For Stephen White, Bill Pulsifer, I'm Casey Lynn saying so long until the next Shay Low podcast.